Get ready to hear the truth about America on a show that's not immune to the facts with your host, Dan Bongino. You know, I noticed something at the Biden press conference yesterday. I noticed something I think a few people missed about the way the press conference was set up that should set off some kind of alarm bells with everyone. I'm going to get to that. And I also just want to make the quick point in the beginning that, you know, Trump did it better. He just did it better. He just did it better. This was, I mean, Trump answered questions from everyone all the time. Even that fake news dude, Jim Acosta at CNN, right? What did we see yesterday? That wasn't a press conference. That was like a scripted high school play. He even had little notes. He even had little notes in a binder. I thought binders full of stuff were bad. Some of you will get the joke. Today's show brought to you by ExpressVPN. Keep your online activity, your business, protect your online activity from prying eyeballs. Get a VPN. Go to expressvpn.com slash Bongino today. Welcome to the Dan Bongino Show. Let's get right to it. One quick note before we get to the show and the content today. I will be guest hosting for Sean Hannity on the Fox News channel tonight, 9 p.m. Eastern time. Check that out. Could be interesting. That and uh, you know what, Gee, don't let me forget to. Talk about the radio thing too today. I'm gonna take a little note about that. A rush, uh, my my the Rush Limbaugh thing. Some what's that? Oh yes, yes, that's right. Yeah, that's right. Good point. See, he's gonna remind me about all this stuff. This is what's good about having a producer. All right, folks. Today's show brought to you by ExpressVPN. All you need to do to surf the internet privately is turn on incognito mode. Right? Wrong. Don't trust big tech with solutions to online privacy. Just don't do it. It doesn't matter what browser mode you use or how often you clear your browsing history. Your internet service provider can see every single website you've ever visited, and they can even sell your data to advertisers. That's why I use ExpressVPN to keep my online data secure and private. ExpressVPN makes sure your ISP and third-party trackers can't see your online activity and location. How does it do it? By rerouting your connection to a secure encrypted server. We like that. In fact, ExpressVPN protects all your data, regardless of whether you're using incognito mode or not. ExpressVPN is you covered with easy-to-use apps for computers and mobile devices so you can use the internet in confidence. All you have to do is tap one button, and you are protected. ExpressVPN is also the fastest and most trusted VPN on the market. That's why they're rated the number one VPN by CNET and Wired. So protect your online activity today with the VPN I trust to keep my information private. Visit expressvpn.com slash Bongino. And you get an extra three months free for a one-year package. That's expressvpn.com slash Bongino to learn more today. All right, Joe, let's go. All right. I forgot, Joe. Um, it is Friday. I uh, what? got a little distracted in the beginning of the show, given my excitement about it. So if you would, again, in your worst 1960s game show voice, let us know it's Friday, please, sir. It's Friday! All right, we only skipped that once in the last few years on a very dreadful Friday that was. But today is a pretty darn good one. Uh, Listen, Trump just did it better, folks. Okay, he just did it better. Uh, He did press conferences better. He was just a more exciting guy. Uh, But Biden's not only absolutely boring, I mean, like, on a 100 scale, On the excitement scale, he's like a 1.6. He's just a disaster for the country, too. So I want to go through this three big takeaways from the press conference yesterday. And we have our interview with Christy Nome. She made it to the interview yesterday, so don't go anywhere. Let's go to takeaway number one. Something I noticed that I didn't see anyone else cover. Joe Biden's cognitive condition is clearly worsening. Nothing funny about it. It's not a joke. Uh, he is clearly deteriorating mentally uh, rapidly at this point. I've told you repeatedly that sources have told me, multiple sources, that his condition is bad, very bad, that people know it's bad and that they're hiding it. That's why they hide. That's why he's called Hiding Biden. I want you to look at this video first of how Donald Trump did an East Room press conference. So if you're, if you're listening on audio, I'll describe it to you. Uh, But if you're watching on video, rumble.com slash Bongino, if you'd like to watch the video, I want to play this video of Donald Trump walking out to the East Room of the White House. This was an East Room press conference. So if you're looking at the front of the White House from Pennsylvania Avenue, this is to the left. This is to the left. This is the farthest room to the left of the White House on the residential side. Okay, it's the East Room. I want you to play this. This is Donald Trump walking out to a press conference in the East Room. And given that this was Biden's first one, you'd probably see the majesty of it. You got that? There you go. 
So you'll see, there you go, he's walking out of the door. You see him walking, there you go. This is the same room, folks. He's walking into the room. Now, what did you notice about that? Well, if you're watching, you'll notice that when I play the Biden clip of him during his press conference, it looks awfully different. Some of you have seen this. If you're listening on audio, you see that long, majestic hallway. Remember when uh, Trump and Kavanaugh walked out and they wanted to celebrate Kavanaugh, uh, his uh, nomination? They walked down the long hallway on the, uh, in, in, the, in the White House. You've seen it, right? They do that because it looks majestic and presidential. You see Trump doing it there. Now, here's another press conference in the East Room. Again, I haven't heard anyone talk about this. Sometimes in pressers in the East Room that are done with foreign dignitaries, they'll set it up like this. Watch Trump walk out to this one with the Finnish president that Joe was kind enough to cut for us. Play that one if you don't mind. So here you'll notice. There we go. You see him walking out again. And he walks to a different side of the East Room over there. But now, if you notice this clip yesterday, you'll notice this looks totally different. So you have the room on the east side of the White House that has an east wall, that has a south wall, and a north wall. And you wonder, gosh, what's going on here? Why does this look different? Play this cut of Joe Biden, and you, I get what you're thinking. I know I can even I can read Guy's mind, too. Joe, I already told what's going on, so he knows. You're probably thinking, I don't get what this has to do with Joe Biden's cognitive condition. Hold, stand easy, as they used to tell us in the police academy mustard deck. Stand easy. Watch the video. Listen to Joe Biden lose himself mid-sentence. So you'll see his cognitive condition. He can't even remember what he was talking about. But I want you just to pay attention to the view and how this looks totally different than pressers we traditionally see in the East Room of the White House. Play that cut. The best way to get something done, if you if you hold near and dear to you that you uh, um, like to be able to. Anyway, I, I'm, we're going to get a lot done. Looks a little different, no? You notice that's along the south wall. We don't typically see that view. What could be going on here? Some of you may be catching on. Folks, listen, it's not unheard of for the president, Trump, Obama, Bush, whoever it was, to do a press conference in the East Room with the south wall of the East Room as a backdrop. But for a first press conference, for this big majestic moment, you would think they would want the view you saw first. President Trump walking down or President Biden this kid walking down this big majestic hallway looking presidential. That's typically how it's done. The backup is typically doing it along the east wall. Why would they do it along the south wall where the view is the worst? Well, ladies and gentlemen, because that's the closest to the door. It's just kind of weird. Maybe they wanted to keep... Biden from, I don't want to say too much because people tell me things. Maybe they were just a little nervous about having Biden having to walk too far to the podium. Just looks a little strange, doesn't it? You think I'm just like randomly making this up? Hmm. Let's see if they do it the other way next time. Make them do the long, majestic walk. They're worried about this guy. You can see it in his condition deteriorating rapidly. That's one of my, my first big takeaway from the press conference yesterday. So I have three. That's number one. Just one, his condition, losing himself mid-sentence. But secondly, again, I'm not suggesting it doesn't happen ever that South Wall uses a backdrop. But for a co press conference this big, it's very strange they would do it that way. Let's go to number two. Some more important takeaways kind of a minor thing I noticed, but you know, we'll see. This guy's gutless. He's weak and he will use race as a weapon because he doesn't have anything else, Joe Biden. He is. He is a gutless wonder. He will use race as a weapon to attack Republicans because that's what Joe Biden does because he has no principles, no guts, and no backbone. I want to play this video first where he talks about this new voter integrity law that was just signed into law by Brian Kemp, the governor of Georgia, which made it more robust to verify voters are who they say they are 
and really did some solid things to prevent voter fraud. So this new bill passed yesterday. And Biden, of course, instead of talking about common sense, simple things like voter integrity, free and fair elections, has to go back to the race card because Joe Biden doesn't have anything else. Listen to this cut of him. He's talking about, just to be clear, this Georgia voter law and H.R. 1, these voter integrity measures Republicans want. And he has to go back to the race card again. Check this out. I'm going to spend my time doing three things. One, trying to figure out how to pass the legislation passed by the House, number one. Number two, educating the American public. The Republican voters I know find this despicable. Republican voters. The folks out in the outside this White House. I'm not talking about the, the elected officials. I'm talking about voters. Voters. And so I'm convinced that we'll be able to stop this because it is the most pernicious thing. This makes Jim Crow look like Jim Eagle. I mean, this is gigantic what they're trying to do. And it cannot be sustained. And do everything in my power, along with my friends in the House and the Senate, to keep that from, uh, from becoming the law. Who in Hades is Jim Eagle, by the way? Jim Eagle? Is that a comic book character from the 40s? I have no idea where he got that from, Jim Eagle. But moving on, because I don't want to waste any time here. I've got a ton to get to in substantive stuff. He makes two points there. Uh, the first point is, hey, listen, these voter ID laws and voter integrity measures like the one in Georgia, even Republicans don't support them. Everyone's with me and trying to get these things thrown out. Really? That's really weird. And point number two is he, he tries to make the point that these things are racist um, indicative of Jim Crow. No, but no, listen, nobody actually takes this stuff seriously. Sane people, liberal lunatics do because they're lunatics, but sane people don't actually take these charges seriously. But that's really weird. Let's address this second point that these voter integrity measures are somehow indicative of racist policies like Jim Crow. That's really odd because as Carl Rove points out in a Wall Street Journal opinion piece today entitled Blue State Voter Suppression, Where's the outcry over Democrats' earlier poll closing hours and ID rules? Karl Rove makes the point that the items implemented in the Georgia voter integrity measure that Biden's swearing are racist and indicative of Jim Crow already exist in blue states. Joe, that's really strange. I'm reasonably confident Jim Crow laws don't exist in those blue states. I, I'm just going to throw that out there. Pretty confident on that one. That's a hill I'll die on. Here. From Carl Rove's piece, Democrats are particularly upset with requiring Georgians voting by mail to provide the number from their driver's license, free state provided ID or other generally accepted identification. Biden's like, oh, my gosh, Jim Crow. Really? Rove says, if this is racist, then New Jersey, Virginia and California, you know, those hotbeds of conservatism. Joking, of course, are suppression hotbeds. New Jersey requires a driver's license number or the last four digits of a social for online voter ver registration. While Virginia requires both a photo ID card and your social security number. California, hardly a red stronghold, also requires ID to register. Where are the bitter denunciations of these states' racist Democratic governors and legislatures? Nowhere, because these people, like Biden, are gutless, character-free buffoons who are just lying to you. Folks, again, I wake up every morning with the purpose of this show to correct the litany of misinformation, disinformation, and conspiracies being mainlined into your veins by liberal media lunatics and their, their party propagandists who support them. This is all made up. Do you understand they make this stuff up? Joe Biden. Voters support me, not voter ID laws. We're on the right. This is all Jim Crow. Really? The same thing's being done in Democrat states. As for his other ridiculous assertion that even Republicans are with him in trying to wipe out voter ID laws, this just took a simple internet search. Washington Examiner piece. I'll put in the newsletter today. Bongino.com slash newsletter. Andrew Mark Miller, poll, 69% of black voters and 75% of overall voters support voter ID laws. <laughs> Folks, do these people ever tell you the truth? Ever. 
Do you ever ask yourself that? Are you ever embarrassed to be a liberal? I'm, I'm serious. Do you wake up in the morning convinced you're on the right side of history despite a cornucopia of facts kicking you in the cojones every morning? Nothing you're saying is true. Voter ID in Georgia. That's Jim Crow. Really? It's happening right now in California, Virginia, and New Jersey. Is that Jim Crow? No, no, not that. Those are Democrat governors. Oh, it's only Jim Crow if it happens in a Republican-leaning state? Does that make any sense? It does if you're a moron. Voters are with me. Uh, Really? Based on what? The polling? That three-quarters of voters aren't with you? That means voters are with you. 25% of people support your position. That means the voters are with you. In Joe Biden's math world of Al Gore math, he's probably right. However, in the same universe where the laws of arithmetic apply, he's absolutely wrong. Again, point number one, this man's condition is worsening. And I think people get it. They are limiting his exposure. I think his walks too. They are limiting everything this guy does. Point number two, he is gutless, weak, and will use race to lie to you. I want to get to another video in a second. Um, before I get to that, you know what? Let me get to my second sponsor because we're loaded up. I have the, I, we're really loaded up there. I've got this interview with Christy Noam. You're not going to want to miss. It's about 15, 20 minutes. Mm, got a little interesting at a few points. That's coming up. Don't go anywhere. Today's show brought to you by Relief Band. Do you know a third of Americans regularly suffer from nausea? Listen, you know my story. I had to go through chemo. Chemo, two thumbs down. Joe, no stars on Amazon for chemo. No. And you get nauseous, like a lot. Yeah, Joe, would you rate that no uh, zero stars as well, given what I told no, you? Yeah. Definitely zero stars? You bet. Joe's going zero star. Gee, too. We're all going zero stars for chemo. The problem is you get nauseous a lot. I would not have been able, you saw me wearing this during the show, by the way, when I was going through chemo. This is Relief Band. It's real simple. Two buttons. Turn it on. Turn the power up right there. Relief Band is the number one FDA-cleared anti-nausea wristband. It's been clinically proven to relieve and effectively prevent nausea and vomiting. Just turn it on. Associated with motion sickness, anxiety, migraines, hangovers, morning sickness, chemotherapy, and so much more. It's 100% drug-free, non-drowsy, provides all-natural relief with zero side effects for as long as needed. It worked for me the minute I hit the power button. The technology was developed over 20 years ago in hospitals to relieve nausea from patients, but now through Relief Band, it's available to the masses. Relief Band stimulates a nerve in the wrist that travels to the part of the brain that controls nausea. Then it blocks the signal of the brain, sending to your stomach that you're sick. It blocks that. Relief's the only, Relief Band's the only over-the-counter wearable device that's been used in hospitals and oncology clinics to treat nausea and vomiting, and it worked unbelievably well for me. Paula uses it now for migraines. Ensure nausea is never the reason to miss out on life's important events. Right now, Relief Band has an exclusive offer just for Dan Bongino Show listeners. If you go to reliefband.com and you use promo code, everybody loves promo codes, promo code Bongino, B-O-N-G-I-N-O, you'll receive 20% off plus free shipping and a no questions asked 30-day money-back guarantee. So go to reliefband.com, use our promo code Bongino for 20% off. You're going to love this thing. Works like a charm. All right, back to the show. So uh, I want to play another video. So but he's obviously gutless. He's lying to you about voter ID. He has no support. A quarter or less of voters uh, support his position that voter ID is no good. Claiming again, it's Jim Crow to ask voter ID, uh, ask for ID during voting, which is nonsense. It's going on all over the country. It's just stupid. But he tried to make another point yesterday about the filibuster. Joe Biden, who's, uh, you know, listen Honest Joe, lunch bucket Joe, folks. You know, he dignified American, but we're back to we're back to normality, right? The liberal media wants you to believe. Here's the presser yesterday. Caitlin Collins asks President Biden yesterday if he believes the filibuster. If he believes the filibuster is a relic of Jim Crow. So again, showing you this guy's character free. I'm going to give you his answer, and then I'm going to go and show some video. So if the filibuster is racist of a black senator supporting the filibuster. It'd be really weird if it was racist. And a former senator who had a lot of juice at one time defending the filibuster too. First, here's his answer yesterday to Caitlin Collins' question. Check this out. Regarding the filibuster, at John Lewis's funeral, President Barack Obama said he believed the filibuster was a relic of the Jim Crow era. Do you agree? Yes. If not, why not abolish it if it's a relic of the Jim Crow era? 
Successful electoral politics is the art of the possible. Let's figure out how we can get this done and move in the direction of significantly changing the abuse of even the filibuster rule first. It's been abused from the time it came into being by an extreme way in the last 20 years. Let's deal with the abuse first. It sounds like you're moving closer to eliminating the filibuster. Is that correct? I answered your question. There you go. So it's racist. It's a relic of Jim Crow, and he is working towards getting rid of the filibuster. Okay, so if it's racist, you would think a prominent black United States senator would be very hesitant to support this relic from Jim Crow, this obviously racist act of political action, right? Totally racist, Joe. Let's play this video of a prominent United States senator happens to be black defending this racist Jim Crow awful tool being used by the Senate to stop legislation. The minority party doesn't like let's check this out. But the American people sent us here to be their voice. They understand that those voices can at times become loud and argumentative, but they also hope that we can disagree without being disagreeable. And at the end of the day, they expect both parties to work together to get the people's business done. What they don't expect is for one party, be it Republican or Democrat, to change the rules in the middle of the game so that they can make all the decisions while the other party is told to sit down and keep quiet. The American people want less partisanship in this town, but everyone in this chamber knows that if the majority chooses to end the filibuster, if they choose to change the rules and put an end to democratic debate, then the fighting and the bitterness and the gridlock will only get worse. I forgot to mention that prominent United States Senator was a Democrat and he went on to do something big. What was it? Uh, think this one through for a moment joe do you remember that guy yeah yeah he he looks pretty familiar career, but he was very yeah. he looks familiar that's right. oh it was barack obama yeah <laughs> no oh. no no way barack barack obama's defending this racist relic don't just ask barack obama that's the video of him yep we didn't edit it there he is barack obama oh and you know what's this is even more bizarre i believe joe biden was his vice president I'm going to have to check that, maybe Wikipedia or something like that. But I'm pretty sure Joe Biden was his vice president. So Biden says he agrees with Obama that the filibuster's racist, despite the fact that Obama's on the record saying he supports the filibuster, not only gives vigorous support of the filibuster, and what's even more strange about it is Biden was his vice president. I just really, again, odd how this continues to happen, how we continue to expose Joe Biden as a complete fraud and phony that he is. But here's another very powerful, prominent United States senator. This is from a while ago, so the video audio are a little grainy, but this prominent U.S. senator happens to be a Democrat too. Here is him. He's so upset that the Republicans may have considered dumping the filibuster. He is vigorously defending it on video audio, check this out. The nuclear op option abandons America's sense of fair play. It's the one thing this country stands for, not tilting the player and field inside, on the side of those who control and own the field. I say to my friends on the Republican side, you may own the field right now, but you won't own it forever. And I pray, God, when the Democrats take back control, we don't make the kind of naked power grab you are doing. But I'm afraid you will teach my new colleagues the wrong lesson. He, he pray, he, uh, um, by the way, folks, I, I, again, I I'm very sorry I neglected to mention that's Joe Biden. Huh. Um, now the president was Barack Obama. Yeah, I know. We, I surprised Joe on that yeah. one. Joe actually saw the video before. But he feigned surprise as good as anyone. I'm stunned that that's actually Joe Biden who is acknowledging that yesterday he says acknowledges and affirms that he believes the filibuster is a racist relic because Barack Obama said it and he agrees with Barack Obama, despite both him and Barack Obama both being on tape defending the filibuster. He prayed to God about it. His words, not mine, not using the Lord's name in vain. Joe Biden, I pray to God that we don't do that. Uh, well, I don't, you must not have been praying that hard. 
He's gutless. This is a gutless weak man. Oh, but he's so nice. Lunch bucket Joe. But yeah, okay. You what a sucker. You believe that? He's an unrepentant liar, is what he is. Unrepentant. I'll get to that section. Listen, I don't want to load you up. You know, uh, advertisers are very good to us. They pay for the show. And I have this interview, so it kind of uh, going to interrupt a little bit of the flow of the show today. So if you don't mind, I appreciate our sponsors. They love to talk to you. So we're just going to do most of them at the beginning of the show today. So I always appreciate your patience. But on the other side is I want to get to point takeaway number three about Joe Biden. So gutless, condition worsening. Those are one and two. Three, totally unrepentant liar. Won't repent at all, just doubles down. I'm going to show you and prove to you through numbers and, and, and data that he's just messing with you at this point. You're a sucker if you believe him. Today's show also brought to you by our friends at Omax. Listen, are you living with chronic pain? That is the worst. I do. It's more than discomfort. It affects your whole life. How you sleep, how you work out. You can barely relax, especially when my shoulders are bothering me. If you're looking to get rid of nagging muscle and joint pain immediately while providing long-lasting recovery, then you need, need to try this. It's the go-to in my house. It's a natural breakthrough pain relief solution. Cryo-free CBD roll-on. I got to give one to Guy and Joe because if you're ever in pain, this stuff is money. It works like that. The non-prescription triple action pain relief roll-on specifically formulated to block pain receptors, reduce inflammation, and improve muscle and joint flexibility. The best part is 100% natural CBD powered and its remedy works its magic within 10 minutes of application. Honestly, with me, it's less than that. And relief lasts up to eight hours, much longer than over-the-counter products. It just looks like one of those roll-on deodorants. You roll it on, but you feel that icy cool right away. I I mean, I go through bottles of this stuff, especially on my left shoulder. Omax Health is offering a great deal. 20% off a full bottle of cryo-free CBD pain relief roll-on. This discount also applies towards any product site-wide. I've been using my elbow lately. Doing my elbow's disintegrating at a rapid rate. That's why I can't straighten my arm anymore. Just go to omaxhealth.com today and her promo code Bongino. That's O-M-A-X health.com, omaxhealth.com and her promo code Bongino. Get 20% off cryo-freeze and site-wide. Pro athletes such as pro golfer Kyle Stanley use cryo-free CBD to recover both on and off the course. They get 95% five-star reviews by customers. They love Omax cryo-freeze. They're now buying it for their family and friends too. This product is the real deal. I use it. Paula uses it on her neck. She has a bunch of neck issues. Go to omaxhealth.com, enter code Bongino, get 20% off and site-wide. Check it out. Works. Okay. So takeaway number three, Joe Biden just can't stop lying. He seems to have a real problem with this thing we call the truth, something unfamiliar to Biden and many members, sadly, of uh, the Biden family. Well, what do I mean? You going to back that up with facts, Dan? Don't we always? We don't waste your time here. Let's play this video of Joe Biden claiming yesterday. There's <laughs> Joe, don't worry. There's no surge at the border. You're lying eyes, you know, Joe. You're watching uh, yeah. Fox News too much and you're seeing videos. It's clearly your eyes deceiving you. Got to change out those contacts or whatever. So here's Joe Biden during the presser yesterday claiming, don't worry, folks. There is no surge at the border. Numbers and data, they're all lying to you. And he's the one you should believe. Check this out. It happens every single solitary year. There is a significant increase in the number of people coming to the border in the winter months of January, February, March. It happens every year. In addition to that, there is a and nobody. And by the way, does anybody suggest that there was a 31 percent increase under Trump because he was a nice guy and he was doing good things at the border? That's not the reason they're coming. The reason they're coming is that it's the time they can travel with the least likelihood of dying on the way because of the heat in the desert. So I looked it up because numbers matter and Joe Biden is uh, clearly immune to facts and the truth. He's not really. He's just a liar. He knows he's this, what he said is stupid. So here are the actual numbers, folks. Let's see. And, uh, and, and for the liberals listening, these are the actual this is government data. OK. So we have data from the, so you can, you love the big daddy government. They're your, they're your peeps, right? So we can trust this, right? According to you, because it's from the government. So try to process this information. I know, you know, you can be a little slow with this stuff. So tell me again, after this data, that there's no quote surge at the border. That's just, just normal and seasonal. 2015, 24,000 people during this same time period, this February, March time period. 
2016, 26,000 people apprehended. 2017, 18,000 people. 2018, 26,000. 2019, 66,000. Had a little bump there. 2020, last year under Trump, 30,000. 2021, wait for it. Clearly, this will be in line with numbers we've seen in the past. Seasonal, right, Joe? That's what he said. 30, 26K, 66K is a high. He said that. Joe Biden said you heard, you, you, all, you all heard that, right? The number of 2021, 100,000. About three times what we've seen during every other season during the Trump uh, administration, despite 2019 after, the, uh, after they had a bump there. But even the 2019 bump is nowhere close to the surge we've seen under Joe Biden. But again, Libs, I, I know none of this is going to, I get it. None of this will get through. I totally understand. I know you're immune to facts. I get it. I'm just putting this out there for the same people who watch my show who will process this and say, okay, Joe Biden's not lying. It's clearly not seasonal. Even the worst year we've had in the last six years was nowhere close to what we have now under Joe Biden. But again, don't let that get in the way of your argument. I understand you'll continue to lie. Okay, here's another one. This is under bullet point three of the three big takeaways, right? Here's another video of uh, Biden lying about the Trump tax cuts uh, yet again. Check this out. Did you find it kind of interesting that my Republican friends were worried about that the cost and the taxes that had to be had, if there is any tax to be had, as they talk about it, in dealing with the, the act that we just passed, which puts money in people's pockets, ordinary people? Do you hear them complain when they passed close to $2 trillion Trump tax cut, 83% going to the top 1%? Do you hear them talk about that at all? So, <laughs> it's so easy. It's so easy. It's so easy. It's so. Remember that song, Joe? Oh, I know yeah. you're more of a pop culture guy than I am. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that was a real doozy. So, uh, 83% of the Trump tax cuts went to the top 1%. Is that uh, a fact? Uh, of course not. Joe Biden said it. Here's an article at Breitbart. I will have in my newsletter today. Again, Bongino.com slash newsletter to get my newsletter every day. Fact check. Joe Biden claims nearly all the Trump tax cuts went to the wealthy. John Carney. Is that true or false? Of course it's false. Joe Biden said it. Let's look at the actual data from the Breitbart article. And then I'll actually show you the tax cuts, showing you again, Joe Biden's just making this up. Quote, Breitbart, the nonpartisan tax policy center estimated in 2018 that the top 1% would get 20.5% of the tax cuts. That can't be, Joe. Biden said they got 83%. Yeah. How I would, of course, I, 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 what does that mean? That means either the nonpartisan tax policy center is lying or Joe Biden's lying. I'm going to venture to say it's Joe Biden that's lying. Just throwing that out there. Yeah. Goes on. The top 20% would get 65.3% of the, uh, the tax cuts. Not surprising because higher income people pay most of the income tax. So cuts to income taxes tend to benefit them. Liberals are scratching their heads right now. Oh my gosh, that's too much information. I can't really process that. Let me show you the actual Trump tax cuts, by the way, again, from not a partisan site, from Investopedia. Investopedia. It's not some, again, bastion of right-wing values. Investopedia, quote, explaining the Trump tax reform plan. So let's look at who actually got an income tax cut. Again, to thoroughly refute Biden's nonsense that it went to the wealthy. Again, already refuted by the Tax Policy Center. Let's look at the rates. So if you were really rich and you were in the top bracket, folks, your rate fell from 39.6 to 37. That's a 2.6 percentage point tax cut. All right, so wealthy folks did get a tax cut. The next level down, so you're doing pretty well, the 33% bracket. You dropped to 32, so you got a one percentage point cut. So that's really your rich people. Now we start getting to the middle class tax cuts. 28% bracket fell to 24%. That's 4%. Joe, keep these. These are very complicated numbers. Keep these in your head if you would. I'm going to need a favor from you in a moment. Okay. So the middle class, upper middle class, got a four percentage point tax cut. Then you're talking about the middle class below them. Their bracket went from 25% to 22%. So they got a 3% tax cut. Hmm. And then kind of the lower middle class went from 15% to 12%, a three percentage point tax cut. So Joe, I'm going to do some very complicated math. I want mm -hmm. you to tell me now what number is greater, the rich who got a tax cut 
of 2.6 percentage points mm -hmm. or the middle class, which got a three or 4% uh, percentage point tax cut. Take a moment to think this through. What number is larger, three or four or 2.6? If you need a pen, I will give you a moment, please. What number is larger, three or four or 2.6? Um, uh, you always do this, four, four is larger. Am I? All right. The guy's a genius. All right, all right. Einsteinian intellect right here. My man. Armacos comes through in the clutch again, even though I, as he said, I do this to him often. I stress him out <laughs> by putting him on the spot with complicated math equations. He comes through in the clutch, <laughs> does the quadratic equation combined with the Pythagorean formula, and he figures out amazingly that a three or four percentage point cut is larger than a 2.6 percentage point cut. What would I do without Joe? But again, Libs, don't let this get in the way of your silly, stupid arguments that, yes, only the wealthy got a tax cut under Trump. You'll keep saying it. I know you will because you just can't stop yourself. I get it. I get it. This show is only for sane people. All right, moving on from this. The presser. Because it was a total disaster. I, I, again, if you believe in facts, it was a train wreck. If not, you think it was awesome. Here, just a quick story because I got to get to my Christy Nome interview. I got to get to an, uh, another spot, the Christy Nome interview, and I, I want to tease it a little bit with some material I got yesterday. So the Wokatarians are eating themselves alive. I love stories like this. I'm sorry. If they drive you nuts, my sincere apologies. But what do I keep telling you? Woke tyrant culture known as cancel culture. I call it tyrant totalitarian culture because that's what it's really what it really is. I told you it was eventually going to cannibalize the left because conservatives are starting to say double barrel middle finger. I'm not canceling people because you idiot said so. So they love it leftists, so they're turning on each other and eating themselves alive. Look at this story first. This is from 2016. CNN business Goldman Sachs top 1% employees can't donate to Trump by Patrick Gillespie. What does this have to do with Wokatarians eating themselves alive? Well, Goldman, I guess, at the time, had some rule in place preventing people from donating uh, to the Trump campaign there. That's fascinating. Because then I saw this Fox Business story while working out on my teeter thing, crushing it this morning at 5 a.m. in my garage, sweating my mm, off. I saw this article in Fox Business. Oh, is this a good one? Lydia Moynihan, Goldman Sachs CEO, hit with a cultural revolution as overworked millennials and Chick-fil-A debates rage. <laughs> now, listen, to be fair, Goldman Sachs has some uh, Republicans, too. Um, I'm no supporter of Goldman Sachs or Wokatarians. I have no allegiance to either one of them. But I find it odd that you know, they, they can tend to lean a little left Goldman with some of their uh, their internal policies there. And now Goldman Sachs is being eaten alive by Wokatarians inside their company who the story's hilarious. Read it in the newsletter. I can't go through the whole thing, but the gist of it is this. <laughs> the Wokatarians in Goldman Sachs were horrified. Wait for it. This is really terrible that they served Chick-fil-A for lunch. Get your nitro pills out, Armacost. I know that's bad. Oh, I, oh my gosh. Chick-fil-A. Uh, the Wokatarians had a meltdown. They couldn't believe it. And they were also upset. Joe, it gets better. Yeah. They were also upset about their long work days. <laughs> oh. I, oh. Oh, I got to This is like one of those. This has the potential to get very bad. So I have to dial the temp down a little bit and get a hold of myself. Listen, Wokatarians. I give exactly zero hits with an S in front of it about your long work days. Get to work, go to work, shut your pie holes, pie holes shut, soup cooler shut, and go to work. Everybody does it. You don't like your job, quit. I can't help thinking of when I was doing an advance in Trinidad and Tobago for Barack Obama as an agent with the worst food poisoning you've ever had emanations from eyes ears mouth caboose everywhere sick as a dog for two straight weeks i think i took zofran until it didn't even work anymore uh, 
Wish I had the relief. Didn't have it then. <laughs> Didn't have it then. I remember the last day of that advance. It was about 140 degrees getting in an elevator with Obama where he was going to give a speech on top of the hotel, the upside down hotel. You know, if you've been to the area, you come in at the top floor. Don't ask. Long story. I remember being in the elevator on the last day after like a 20 hour workday, emanations everywhere. I'd probably sweated and excreted 20 pounds of body mass after working two weeks with the worst stomach virus ever and sweating my off on the roof after no sleep thinking, can life get any worse right now? In a bulletproof vest, sealed in heat with the sweat and emanations. And the Wokatarians are complaining, my gosh, I gotta work 12 hours? Oh. Oh. This armor cost getting up at two in the morning <laughs> to go do a radio show for 75 years, however long he did it. Yeah. You're like, you're driving to work like, I can't handle it. And we're supposed to care that they don't like Chick-fil-A and they got to work 12 hours? <laughs> oh, dude. Oh, my gosh. Is this generation. You're killing me. You're killing me. Go to work. Go to work. Remove the caboose from the seat. Get up and just go to work and shut up. Holy Moses. You don't like the job? Just quit. <laughs> I know. He's like, come on. We got to get that. I got the Christy Noem interview. All right. I'm going to get to my last spot. We're going to play the interview. I want to play just I put a, a quick Federalist article up first. And then we'll come back and you're going to love it. And I just got a quick note about the radio show too, getting a lot of questions. All right. Today's show brought to you by our friends at Bowl and Branch. Their signature sheets are so soft and light. You'll forget that you're not sleeping on a cloud. They are. And they get nicer as you wash them. They're like a fine wine when they age. They're sustainably made for uncompromising quality from field to factory. Here's the only downside about Bowling Branch sheets. You'll never sleep anywhere else on other sheets again without thinking, gosh, my sheets are better. That's the only downside. The signature hem sheets from Bowling Branch are a bestseller for a reason. They are buttery soft, lightweight, organic cotton in a classic sateen weave for sheets that get softer over time. Not too hot, not too cool. They're the perfect year-round sheets for most sleepers. Bowling Branch focuses on quality over quantity. No inflated thread counts here. Because more isn't always better. Bolin Branch signature sheets come in seven beautiful colors in all sizes from twin up to California King. Made to a higher standard. 100% organic cotton, ethical production, and thoughtful attention to every detail. And they're just darn comfortable. There's nothing worse than fitted sheets that don't fit. Bolin Branch offers 17-inch deep fitted sheets and labeled size to help make your bed uh, to help you make your bed beautifully every time. Takes it easy. What an idea. Because the little things make a big difference. Best of all, Bowling Branch gives you a fair price plus a 30-day risk-free trial with free shipping and returns. Experience the best sheets you've ever felt at Bowl, B-O-L-L and Branch.com. Get 15% off your first set of sheets when you use promo code Bongino at checkout. That's Bowl, B-O-L-L and Branch.com. Use promo code Bongino. You're going to really dig these sheets. Sleep on them every night. Okay. All right. Just a quick note on radio. Folks, we get a lot of questions about the radio show. We start uh, May 24th in the 12 noon to Easter to three o'clock Eastern time spot. We will not be on every one of Rush's stations. I work for a different syndicator than Rush worked for. That syndicator did carry the Rush Limbaugh show. There's a lot of confusion about it. We will be on many stations around the country. But if you'd like us on your station, we will have a station finder. You have to call the station or email the station and let them know. I don't mean to sound solicitous about it, but it's just true. If you want to hear the Dan Bongino show, you're going to have to call and ask. Are they going to offer the show? And um, if you want it, you have to make your voice heard. So we get a lot of questions. We will not be on every, Rush was on like every station known to humankind, 600 plus. We don't have all of them. We have a good amount in big cities and elsewhere, but you have to call and ask. All right, so we got Christy Nome coming up in a minute. I want you to check this piece out by Rachel Bovard first. Uh, Dear Christy Nome, GOP voters are done supporting politicians who turn in their interests. It's a Federalist piece. Be in my newsletter today. They summarize some of the concerns about Christy Nome I interview about here. And I want to say at the end of the interview, 
She was very respectful. I'm, I'm, I'm honored she came on. She, she's done some great work as a governor of South Dakota. None of that should be thrown out. But we had to agree to disagree on this. And my problem with it were this, and you'll see me ask her about this in a second. She, she declared at one point she was excited to sign the legislation, but reversed herself. That was a problem for me. The reversal came as a surprise. This is Bovard's article, but was less shocking as it became apparent that Nome had been subject to some intense lo- subjected to some intense lobbying from the NCAA, Amazon, and the Chamber of Commerce. I asked her about this in this interview. So without further ado, my interview with the governor of South Dakota, Christy Nome. All right, I'm honored to welcome to the show uh, America, one of America's very popular governors right now, Governor Christy Nome from South Dakota. Governor, thank you so much for joining us. I really appreciate it. Oh, absolutely, Dan. So listen, there's that 800-pound gorilla in the room. Let's get it out of the way right away. So uh, I'll be candid with you. I was a little harsh on you about this House Bill 1217, um, this bill designed to keep women in in women's sports. And and, uh, you didn't didn't sign the bill. So you, you didn't veto. That's not accurate. It's just you refused to sign it. You wanted to make some changes. Um... I was a little harsh on my show and I got some feedback from my audience. A lot of them love you. Some of them agreed with me, but I wanted to give you a chance because I think it's fair to defend your position on it. And if it's okay with you, I had a few questions afterwards. So why did you refuse to sign the bill and why did you make the changes? How did you think it would make the bill better? Well, I want to sign the bill. It's something I'm very supportive of. I think we all agree that girls should play girls sports and that that is something that we need to be protecting in solving that problem nationwide. This bill I want to sign, I just need a few changes to it before the legislature um, can leave and go home and session is over. So that's what I'm asking them for is to make sure that we have this fight, that we protect our kids in the K-12 system and give me an opportunity to go after the NCAA and other leagues that would choose to you know, really go after states and go after women and allow men to play in their sports. Now, Governor, critics have said that you eliminating the NCAA from the enforcement mechanism and making it only a K through 12 bill, which again would keep women in women's sports and prevent biological men from participating in women's sports, a position I assume is strongly uh, supported in South Dakota. But by eliminating the NCAA from the bill, some of them see that as a sign of, of weakness, that you, you gave the NCAA a pass and, and others. And there's another kind of countervailing position there has been from people I respect and have read as well. It said that, you know, that the lawsuits here would probably get a little overwhelming and you might lose in some of these lawsuits. So why take the NCAA out of the bill and why not just let them sue? At some point, we're going to have to have this fight. Well, listen, Dan, we all agree on this issue. The the difference is strategy. It's on tactics. I want to win and actually problem solve this issue and protect kids and girls uh, in the K-12 system. And then I want to go and fight the NCAA. And what what my situation is here in South Dakota is I could sign the bill the way that it is. um, And then I would get attacked and penalized by the NCAA. They could move their tournaments out, move their games out, prevent my athletes in the state of South Dakota from even participating in their leagues. And then I would have to go to court. What most people haven't considered is that every one of my federal judges in the state of South Dakota in the Eighth Circuit is a Clinton or Obama appointee, uh, that it would get appealed. It could potentially end up back up at the Supreme Court, but that would take years. And in the meantime, we're eliminating opportunities for our kids. We're eliminating our opportunity to really problem solve this and to fight the NCAA. And so that's why I'm asking them to do this bill with a few of these changes and allow me to go fight and really win this issue, not just fight to fight and lose like North Carolina did five years ago on the bathroom bills, but to fight smart and make sure we're building a compact of states that can really be strong against the NCAA and these leagues for doing that. That's why I encourage everybody to go to my website that I'm promoting this, defendtitle9now.com. That is where we've got governors on board. We've got attorney generals, professional athletes that are all helping me fight the NCAA and what they're doing by allowing boys into girls sports. And that's really the strategic way that we're going after this. And Dan, what's interesting to me is I've watched this debate play out on the national news and national conservative groups. Um, They're praising the Tennessee bill that just passed. Uh, Those changes that I'm asking for my bill here in South Dakota are exactly what that Tennessee bill is. So they're criticizing me for asking for changes, yet upholding that Tennessee bill as a wonderful bill that we need to have and that Governor Bill Lee needs to sign. So that's the little bit of the 
I think hypocrisy we're seeing out there in the discussion right now. Maybe people just don't have the facts. And that's why I wanted to come on your show is make sure people have the truth that I did not veto this bill. I'm asking for a few changes. If we do get enjoined right away, if I were to go after collegiate sports and put the NCAA in there, if it got enjoined, no girls would be protected. No sports would be protected. For years, they'd be exposed to the punishments that these leagues can bring on small little states like South Dakota. So it's strategy, but we all agree on the topic. Only girls should play girls sports. Well, Governor, I appreciate your candor and and, and you coming on. I wanted to present that opportunity to you. Again, I I, I was pretty harsh on you the other day, but uh, one of the things I, I, I hope you understand is Republican voters, you know, I ran for office. I, I lost. It didn't work out for me. God didn't have that in his plans and that's okay. But I learned a lot having run a lot. And um, one of the things I learned is people get really pissed off when they feel like they're being sold out. And I understand their position here. Their position, a lot of the people who are opposed to your actions on this feel like, so we're doing this because we're afraid of a lawsuit by the NCAA. Um, A lot of those same people feel that this, what they perceive as weakness here, invites more aggressiveness by the lobbies on the left that want to attack us in the culture wars. And Governor, I have to tell you, uh, you know, I, I love a lot of what you've done in South Dakota. And I don't mean this to be in any kind of an adversarial interview because I really can't stand unnecessary Republican on Republican political violence. It's terrible. But I have to tell you, I agree with them a bit here. I think this back down, like happened in Indiana uh, with Mike Pence when he was governor and elsewhere, is only going to invite more aggression in the culture wars. Do you not see their position? They just they feel like they're being sold out here and they placed a lot of, of faith in you. I mean, you were at the top of the list, rising stars nationally. This isn't a back down at all. Um, This is smart strategy to win and to defeat the NCAA finally, once and for all. Um, So, you know, anybody who would say that, Dan, I got to be candid with you, too, if we're having an honest conversation here. Then all those people criticizing me, they don't know me at all. Years ago, I fought the federal government to make sure that girls only played in girls events, that boys were only in boys events. It had to do with the sport of rodeo and USDA, the United States Department of Agriculture, which had jurisdiction, was telling them they had to open up all events to all genders and all sexes and I stood up with rodeo and I fought them and I was the only one that did that there wasn't a congressional delegation or other governors behind me I fought alongside of rodeo and made sure that we kept girls events for girls and boys events for boys so I have a long history on this issue I've been doing this before anybody else was really talking about it and the last year While every other governor in this country was making different decisions, I stood strong and was on my own, making sure I didn't shut down my state. I never even defined what an essential business was in the state of South Dakota, because I don't have the authority to tell businesses that they're not essential. I'd never mandated masks anywhere. I never said anything to my people that overstepped my authority, because I understand that when you do that, when leaders do that, that's really when we break this country. So leadership on this issue, Dan, is not turning the issue over to a liberal court system and letting them decide on the issue. And that's what I would be doing here in the South Dakota. If I signed the bill as it was presented to me, I would have to face punitive action and then I would sue and then I would lose. If I look at the strategic approach to this, it's to win. It's to win on this Defend Title IX Now coalition that we're building, get leaders on board and get enough states so that they can't punish one state and make an example out of them like they did in North Carolina. That's what we need to avoid. And Dan, we do this strategy all the time and have for years on pro-life issues. Listen, we all want an a ban on all abortions. We just don't think it's right. Um, But you don't see governors in every state bringing an all-out abortion ban because we know we'd face challenges in the court system and set the whole movement back. Yeah, but can I interrupt for a minute? I don't mean to be rude, but that's my point is I think a lot of conservatives are tired of that approach. We just don't want to be the managed decliners anymore. You know, so I I think you're making my point, not yours, that that that's what's bothering a lot of conservatives out there now is that they believe in things like life and protecting life. And they're tired of, you know, capitulating in these little small battles saying, well, win the war later. 
and we never win the war. The war never comes. And I think that's why people are so upset about this. And, you know, regarding examples in states, Idaho passed a similar bill and they, they stuck by their and, guns and on Dan, that one. They passed that bill. It's caught up in legal action right now. And not a single person in that state is being protected right now. There's no women's sports is not protected in Idaho. Today. Yeah, but there's no examples um, of student I'm, athletes in Idaho that are presented that are being prevented from playing in the NCAA unless I'm unless I'm missing something. Because the tournaments weren't pulled and they can't prove that there's been punitive action yet. But right, it's but government, this is That's what's what, driving me crazy. Yeah. Like, why are we, who cares if they pull their, who cares? Like at some point, I get it, it's going to be some financial ramifications. It's happening everywhere. I, I lost a ton of money on Parlor. I was canceled. And, you know, we fought back. So my my point is, like, why not just draw the line, draw the red line and say, no, we are going to fight the NCAA. Other states have done it. And if it goes to court and we lose, at least we stood on principle. We, we are fighting the NCAA. We absolutely are doing that. My opportunity is to make the best decisions for this state and to lead that fight and to do it in a smart way that I actually can win. South Dakota is not Texas. It's not Florida. It's not a big state like Arkansas or Alabama or Tennessee. We're little. And the NCA would love to make an example out of our state and to send a message to every other state. Don't do what South Dakota did because this will happen to you, too. And the harm that they can bring to my students and, and that they can bring to my families here is very, very far reaching. That's why I'm building a coalition is because they can't bully 10 states or 12 states. We can all link arms together. And that's that's why I tell everybody, join the war. The war is on defendtitle9now.com. That's where you, Dan, you could get on there today and join this compact and help us fight. We've got Herschel Walker, Nancy Lopez, Franklin Graham. We've got all kinds of people that are getting on board now by the thousands to help say this is not acceptable what we see happening at the collegiate level and we need it to stop. And there is no national movement out there. There's no national movement that's coalesced around making sure that we actually go after them and do it in a way that we actually can win. So this is all the same. We're, we're preaching the same sermon. We all agree. You're arguing with me over tactics. And what is driving me a little bit uh, crazy about the issue is that they constantly hold up the Tennessee bill as a wonderful bill. And what I'm asking is for the South Dakota legislature to pass the exact same language. That is the, the revisions and changes that I've asked them to make. So if, if that's it, all these conservative groups should be helping me get the legislature to accept these changes so I can sign the bill. I need to sign this bill. I want to sign this bill. I just need a few changes before they do that. And I hope every single conservative organization that really does want to protect girls sports, really does want to protect girls from having boys play in their events, that they will help me get my legislature to go and make sure that they're signing on to this bill so I can sign it into law and then we can go to fight and win the war. So, Governor, one of the complaints from the conservative groups I want to give you the opportunity to address here is you had tweeted that you were excited about signing the bill and then you had changed your mind. And there have been some articles out there about some conflicts of interest from people who may be advising you on the issue. I want to give you the opportunity to address that. You know, I am excited to sign the bill. As soon as the legislature will accept these few changes, then absolutely I will want, I will sign that bill. You know, Dan, it's not leadership to attack my team. I get advice from all over the place, but people who know me know I make my own decisions. Uh, that I will ask everyone around me to give me my different options, to give me all the facts and the information on any type of an issue, and then I make the decision. So uh, people can attack my people. You know, that's politics, I guess. It's unfair, uh, but I'll continue to make my own decisions. All right, let's move on because there are other things going on. And like I said, you've had a national rising star. It's rose so fast. It was tough to keep track of. I, mean, I remember when you were the, uh, con the congressional member from South Dakota and boom, popped on the national scene because of what I think to be some tremendous leadership during this uh, disastrous COVID crisis. I live in the state of Florida, another terrific governor down here, Ron DeSantis. You know, when you were getting all the pressure from the lockdown brigade to shut your state down, bury your economy, you know, what was going on in your inner circle? I, you know, when looking back on it now, I mean, we can all Monday morning quarterback and say, well, it's obvious lockdowns didn't work. But remember, Governor, at the time, not everybody believed that. People thought there was some sanity to this thing. So what made you sit down with your team and say, now we're going to do things a little different here? 
Well, I just I looked at the science and the data and the facts around the virus, but then I also maybe took it a step further than a lot of other governors. I talked to my legal experts. Um, my I talked to those constitutional authorities and lawyers and wanted to really understand what my role was as governor and what my role wasn't. I'd say uh, that that is my biggest decision uh, every single day in this office and even when I was serving in Congress or working for the people in this state was that uh, you have to have leaders that respect the people. Our state motto is under God, the people rule. I never lose sight of that. Um, And so I had decisions to make. I knew what authority I had. And I told my people, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to let you use personal responsibility, give you all the information that I have. But we never issued a shelter in place. We never once went forward and mandated anything like masks, uh, did not define what an essential business was or close a business. We just said, I'm going to let you have the opportunity to protect your family's health. But I'm also going to let you keep your business open and have some flexibility to take care of your employees and your customers. And for South Dakota, overwhelmingly, it worked. And it allowed us uh, to make the best decisions decisions going forward. So, you know, this uh, last legislative session, we had a huge opportunity in South Dakota because our economy is doing so well from those decisions that were made. And and we passed the most conservative pieces of legislation that South Dakota has ever seen in its history this year. We did more pro-life bills than we've ever done before, uh, a born alive bill, a Down syndrome protection bill. We protected private property, a religious freedom bills. Uh, so a lot of the conservative organizations uh, are, got every single Thing that they wanted in partnership with me this year because we worked on all those important issues. And that's why it's important to know history, to know who I am, to understand how I make my decisions and to know that I respect people. Yeah. And, and, and Governor, again, having run not succeeded like you, you've done spectacularly in your political career. You know, I understand. I mean, you know, the, the politics isn't always black and white and I get that. Um, but you have your, your, your star. Oh, sorry. I've run 10 times. I've run 10 campaigns. Is that right? I've won all of them. And I ran seven statewide races in eight years. That's impressive. I've run three. I'm I'm what none of them. That's probably been a little bit of a discussion that I hear on these national pundits and everybody saying, oh, she's not a fighter. Then they don't know me at all. Every one of these campaigns, you know it if you've run. It's like a knife fight in a ditch. Yeah. Um, and you don't it's ugly. You, you do what you believe. You tell people who you are. You ask them to support you. And then you go out and you work for them and you problem solve. That's always been me. Anybody who's ever known me. And uh, I would hope that all these organizations that are saying I'm making the wrong decision would would read what I'm doing, would understand it and really look at the strategy behind it, because I'm here to win this war and I'm not backing down. Well. Uh, listen, I'm going to have to disagree with you on that bill, but that's okay. We, we addressed it. I allowed you your uh, time to defend yourself. I put out my concerns about it. But uh, again, just on some other things quickly, I, I know we, uh, you're short on time here, but South Dakota, you've had such tremendous success. You have a relatively constrained state budget, an incredible business environment. You know, I live in Florida. We're having a lot of transplants from other states that, you know, say they're liberal, but then immediately move away from liberal states to try and live in in Florida and try to vote for the same nonsense down here. Are you seeing any of that in South Dakota? Because I have to be candid with you ever since you've taken over there and I've seen what you've done. My wife and I are always looking for property and South Dakota has been on our internet search list quite a bit. So are you seeing a lot of transplants from out of state, which are changing kind of the culture of South Dakota? Well, they haven't been changing our culture. It's been interesting because our real estate market is going crazy. People are moving here by the thousands. Uh, We're moving businesses here. I could triple the size of my economic development department right now, and we couldn't answer the phone fast enough for all the businesses that want to come here where a government respects them and doesn't take away their ability to keep their doors open. So, but it's interesting to me, I think this pandemic really created an opportunity for us to recruit the right kind of people to our state that preserves our culture. Overwhelmingly, people that move here are telling us they came here because they want their kids in school. They want them in the classroom. They came here because they wanted a government that respected them, that didn't mandate what they do or what their actions are. So that's been um, probably the perfect scenario maybe for us to tell our story about what 
our way of life is like here in South Dakota. And if you want to come be a part of that way of life, then we'd love to have you. I spent one week advertising just for law enforcement officers, uh, telling them if you feel persecuted in your state, we would love to have you here and be a part of South Dakota and our families. We got hundreds and hundreds of applications from law enforcement officers from 41 different states, and they are finding their home here in South Dakota. So I'm proud of what we've done. The decisions we've made are people. And I think that it is an example that the rest of the country could look at. Yeah, you've really done an incredible job. I mean, you see states like Wyoming, Montana, North Dakota, South Dakota, population explosions as people try to escape to freedom. And when I say the culture of South Dakota, I mean hard work, the right to protect yourself, protecting life. I mean, these are the kind of things, this is the American culture. And sadly, um, you know, a lot of it's dissipating in these culture wars, hence the uh, topic for today's interview. One last exit question. And I really, I sincerely appreciate you coming on. You know, a lot of people get in these fights and then run away and hide behind press flax and everything like that. So, you know, it takes some guts to answer questions. And, uh, I, I do appreciate it. I mean that. But a uh, last question. And uh, listen, I know I'll, I'll answer for you. You're going to, well, I haven't really thought about it. Please don't give me that answer. Any idea about kind of running nationally, national ambitions, your name has been bandied about for national office. Uh, any, any idea about yep. that? Nope, I'm not running for national office. I am happy here and I'm going to stay in South Dakota and um, I'm, Hoping the people here will give me another opportunity to serve them again. Well, if South Dakota continues to grow, I will bet you, you change your mind. Just saying, don't answer that question. I'm just saying. Governor Christy Nome, thank you for coming on. I deeply appreciate your time. Again, you got a lot of guts answering questions. So thanks a lot. And I hope you'll come on again. Absolutely. You bet, Dan. Take care. Thanks. Again, as you can see from the interview, uh, we just disagree on that. I don't think we should throw the baby out with the bathwater. Christy Nome's body of work should be judged fairly by everything good. And I think um, not so good that she's done. Uh, and I respect her for coming on. Most politicians would uh, run from it. But as you saw from the interview, I just um, I disagree. And it, it, it didn't change my mind. But uh, she's doing a great job in South Dakota otherwise. So I hope you enjoyed that. We gave her a fair shot. And other politicians will be welcoming on to do the same thing. Uh, so, folks, I appreciate your attention this week. Thank you for your loyalty to the show. It means the world to me. Please subscribe to the show um, on uh, uh, on Rumble, excuse me, rumble.com slash Bongino. It matters. We're almost at 1.5 million subscribers. Please, it really helps us a lot to get our content out there. Rumble.com slash Bongino. Follow, subscribe to the show there. It's all free. And happy Passover to our listeners out there. Uh, we appreciate it. I hope you, uh, hope you have a great weekend, and we will see you all on Monday. Good day, sir. You just heard Dan Bongino.